relationships? A lot of people are getting out of relationships because there was like tension because of monogamy, because of the sort of expectations of monogamy. Yeah, I am living with my ex and we've broken up a bunch of times. We keep getting back together, and I think that it's, like, inherently just ridiculous, the whole notion of it, of, like, you know, her feelings change, and that means you need to break up, or now, like, oh, we don't want to have sex, so we should break up. So if we're living in this, like, non-monogamous lifestyle, like, is there such thing as an ex anymore? Because, like, I've been navigating this whole, like, what is my ex to me situation. And I'm having the experience of, like, an ex, we're now, we now have the kind of relationship that I wanted because I wanted us to be non-monogamous while we were together. And it never worked out. But now that we haven't been together for, like, a year, there have been times over that year where we have had sex or had intimate times or, like, even had, like, a little bit of romance. Like, I, I feel like it was the way to, like, teach them that, like, it's we can do this. We can be non-monogamous because they kind of, like, didn't believe in it before. And now we are – we see other people, but – you still, like, have a bond and have, like, a, your own connection. Right. I consider it to be, like, a friendship with someone who I have really good sexual chemistry with. And so, like, it, it doesn't – I love that, like, we can hook up and we don't have to, like, build our lives together in this way because, like, I'm not really – like, we did that and I had a good experience with that. It was one of – it was, like, my first sort of, like, big relationship where you do all the big relationship things, like – go on trips together and, like, meet each other's families and, like, do these things, which it was fun while it was, but, like, I'm not interested in doing that anymore mm -hmm. with them. And so it's, like, I really, I mean, I really relate to that because I feel like I'm also, <laughs> I'm also, like, involved with someone who I was previously involved with. And we were, we, it was always open, but it was when I was still poly and so I still was, I still was interested in coupling. Just, I just wanted to have an open relationship. And I think I also... The difference is more, like, more like I feel like it was I, I was the one who had to who had to get on board with relationship anarchy. Like I had to kind of take some time to figure out some stuff. I love like I love being in love and I love romance, but I like couldn't figure out like what kind of relationship would work for me. And even the the open relationship thing didn't work. And I was like, what you know? So now I, by the end, yeah, of, it was too restrictive. I remember, it, yeah. And it's not about that person. It was just I was like I just don't like it. Like I, I'm like right now, like my skin is crawling. Like I don't like it, and I'm like that's why I'm like I can't go back. I can't go back to. I just feel like so good and so free now and I just feel like there's such there's just a different level of like trust and respect between us because we are friends who have a great sexual chemistry, you know? And right. I so I totally agree. I feel like I feel like the relationship you're talking about, I feel like X just feels like X feels like a monogamous construct that does not apply to you anymore. Yes, that's what I'm You're clearly great friends and whatever else goes on in your friendship is like between the two of you, you know? And like the same with like me and this other person, it's sort of like yeah, we're just we're just good friends, and I, I mean, so I don't feel like we're ever gonna we don't we never have to break up again because we're not together. You know what I mean? We just we just are gonna constantly communicate about how our relationship is ebbing and flowing or changing and shifting. And that's also like what I really related to with this caller is that my feelings with this person like they, they do ebb and flow. They they wax and wane. And before I think I would have been like, oh, we must break up now because now my feelings have changed. And now I'm like, no, like you just with your friends. You sometimes I see you all the time, and sometimes I pull away and I do my own thing for a while. It's not a big deal. When it comes to like living with an ex if we're kind of, like, abolishing the idea of an ex, mm -hmm. even though, like, obviously we can... There are certain people that are not great for you, and they should... 
they remain should in not the past. be there anymore. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, like, there are... They're not great friends or lovers in that case, though. Right. There are times when someone just, like, needs to go, and I get that. I'm not saying, like, you have to hang on to, like, every fucking Agreed. relationship you've yeah, been in. I agree. But I do feel like I have a friend who lives with an ex, and it's not actually her ex because they just totally redid their relationship and have, like, a really great arrangement, even though... You know, a lot of people, like, see it as, like, living with your ex is, like, you know, you're, like, horribly stuck and you must not be, like, financially well off enough to, like, figure your shit out for yourself. But it's, like, no, they, like, cohabitate really well. They have, like, a sibling thing. Like, Mm -hmm. to just castigate someone to this, like, ex territory is a little bit crazy i mean do you think that the impulse to do that comes from this idea that like if you have a relationship with your ex it's going to be threatening to that one person you're waiting for like is that yes i think it is because the idea of like it's hard to move on if you're still like not over your ex Mm -hmm. which i mean i think there's some truth to that like if there's something about like making space for new things and sometimes you just need to like do that but i feel like you can also do that and still maintain it sounds like they have done that yeah 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 She's always initiating these, like, dynamic shifts in, like, what we are, even though she's, like, all about, like, I don't believe in labels, um, and, like, I'm, like, transcendent, and, like, I'm trying to find the truth, except, like, she's really heteronormative and, like, kind of homophobic, and, like, there's all sorts of problems in the ways that she deals with her emotions, and it's, like, I don't know if she's going to be even receptive to these sorts of ideas of, like, post-couple, um, because we both started having a crush on other people like at the same time miraculously and so I've been finally able to move on because I found something that I really like I found somebody that I really like and that's really rare for me and she's Polly and so she gets it I two two thoughts I'm having right now is one I feel you but also like heteronormativity is a prison (laughs) it's hard to get out of it like even when you're trying to like I feel like I've just been this three years since my last, like, Wait, are you trying to, you're trying to identify or uh, relate to old Bay right now? I'm just saying that I can see how, like, this person could be, could profess to be, like, into all these things, but have a really hard time actually executing them because that shit runs deep. And it's like, I know that I've fallen back into my, like, bullshit monogamy patterns when I'm, like, really, I'm prime, I'm really hard, you know, I really don't want to, and I'm trying hard not to, but it happens. Cut old Bay, bay some slack, <laughs> But, like, new Bay sounds really exciting. It's- same. I'm like loving that. Go for that. I love a, I do love a crush. I also think it could be really fun to like. Sh- I love talking about my crush. And I think if you have this like relationship with someone else, I think it could be fun to talk with Old Bay about your crushes. Like talk about your crushes together. That could like be like really fun. Dick style. Could even be sexy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Compersion is a thing that some people like to talk about. Compersion. Compersion. There's like people who are really into polyamory. There's like certain books that. I feel like they all have read ethical slut. The ethical slut, um, opening up, which is like really for couples. So I'm like, I don't really recommend that one because it's for couples. But compersion is where I first heard that term, where it's like the the concept of like getting turned on by like your lover loving someone else. Mm. Hearing how someone that I'm turned on by turns someone else on is like another turn on for me. I mean, I know that we both also like to take it even a step further, like watching someone that I'm into like be with someone else sexually. I found out is also like cool bonding, surprising bonding experience. There's, like, a lot of things that come up that I didn't expect when you start to, like, let go as far as that stuff also. I love also to be in on sort of, like, the pick, like, the pick exchange with uh, people that I'm, (laughs) that I'm, that I, that are also pretty poly, where, like, they're sending me the pics they're getting. Uh, Yeah. I'm into your cats. 
stoked. Yeah, I mean, that is, like, my fantasy is, is to, like, exist IRL and, like, a group of people, a large network of people who, like, it's chill. Yeah, I feel like my roommate has described it as, like, wanting to live in a house where, you know, like, one night you're sleeping in this room and then yeah. another night you might be over here or, like, that there's kind of a level of, like, playful... Um, Sexual camaraderie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I'm describing also. Right. Come join our... Um, the Fitch Face Compound. Yeah. <laughs> we have some rooms Fitch for Fitch Sexual Camaraderie Compound. <laughs> and um, Day Spa and Farm. <laughs> and Full Service Creative Agency. Wow. Goals. <laughs> Okay, how do I put it succinctly? I ended a relationship this year, and it became a starting point for a gigantic process of self-work, self-discovery, self-awareness, and the beginning of self-love. And it's been going on for most of this entire year, been a shitty year overall, but I finally am starting to make some progress and just within the last couple of weeks have had these amazing moments of feeling like I am falling in love with myself is the best way that I can put it and I haven't haven't had any idea what that feeling was and then today I listened to your episode and heard some of the words I think that the two friends wrote to each other that idea of this I think how she put it was discover that what you need you can see to yourself from your own hand or something like that and it's right on and I'm going to keep listening she's falling in love with herself and I love that I mean I kind of think that that was like a required process for me to be able to divest from uh, monogamous relationships or like decenter relationships for my life was that like I'm good with me yeah for sure a lot of things we've been talking about this year since like post not post couple form but yeah post couple form like after reading this essay like that kind of led us also to talking about like our crush politics a lot this summer which was entirely about that idea of like being like I don't know, like, your desire is, like, this sort of, like, there's this, like, an endless fountain of, like, desire that you can sort of, like, play around with for your, yourself. You are the crush politics expert, so cut in here <laughs> as you see fit. But, like, that desire seems like something that when you talk about it, it, like, has to do with other people. Um, but, like, does it actually really have to do with knowing yourself? Right, exactly. And yeah. that, like, it can involve other people, but it can also be an experience that, like, you're working out sort of internally. Yeah, I just think the sorry this this like particular call is just bringing up a lot of like different things that I'm like sort of trying to like wade through in this moment. Like one is what you're talking about, which is I totally feel the same way. Like the the crush politics was about like the idea of like desires, like this experience that I can have solo, which is like related to other people. It's related to my attraction, related to my feelings about people, but it wasn't really about pursuing people. It was like it was actually about like actively not pursuing the object of your desire. Part of this idea of divesting from the couple form also has, like, empowered me, and I think that's what the caller was saying also, to, like, be just a lot more discerning. Um, this also relates to the caller, which I also to talk about the emotional monogamy question, but, like, it just sort of allows me to sort of, like, be a lot more 
critical of who I couple with and who I spend time with because I don't have the sort of, it's not obligatory. I'm not like, oh, we went on three dates or we went on, you know, we dated for six months, so therefore I owe you X. It's sort of just like, you just sort of go where, what feels good. What was the emotional monogamy question? Someone, we had a caller who called in and talked about like her journey. Um, she talked about sort of also, I think, also getting out of a relationship and like being on a road trip and like how that was bringing up a lot of questions about coupledom and intimacy. And she started like just really kind of like going for it, like was going to like sex parties, got into kink kind of more recently. Um, and the question she had for us was how do we, f she found that as a, as a person who is, identifies as solo poly, which I feel like being solo poly and being a relationship anarchist kind of feel like, I'm not sure, they're not that different to me. Um, I guess there are some subtle distinctions, but it's all like whatever semantics. But she was at, she asked us like, you know, do you find, I find myself being emotionally monogamous even if I'm sleeping with more than one person, do you also find that? And when I heard that I thought like, I don't know if I do or don't. I mean, I feel like today, just for earlier today, I was cataloging who my closest friends are at this moment. I'm not really sure why, I guess just thinking about relationships on the way here, on the way to see you, I was like, and also I was talking to my best friend. I was just thinking like, who are the closest people in my life right now? I guess that's what I was thinking. About. I was thinking like if I were to start dating someone and they were like wanting, wanting to know like how I relate and like what's going on in my life, like how would I frame the different relationships? And, you know, I really would want to be careful about even suggesting that I have any kind of primary partner, even though I am seeing a person. But I was like, do I feel emotionally monogamous with that person? No, I feel like I'm emotionally monogamous with like several people. Those people that I was listing mm -hmm. were like those people. Yeah. And so again, I think the friendship model like really holds up. Yeah, I don't feel like I've ever been emotionally monogamous what is like what does that mean to you well, maybe what did it mean to that caller right I guess what I thought what it meant to the caller was feeling like even though you might be you might have like fun casual or fun even like fun and like fulfilling relationships with people sexually that like there's still like that one person who you ultimately trust the most or see as like your primary emotional go-to but I feel like for me this whole process has been a, has been about not doing that like just because I'm sleeping with someone doesn't mean that they, they, they don't, auto I think that's, the, that's one of those like sort of automatic things that happens. Mm -hmm. And I've actually been like really, like really intentional about not allowing that to happen and making sure that like I'm not relying on a single person for my emotional needs. Like that was the whole point. Right. It's like, A, I can rely more on myself, I can rely on myself for a lot, it turns out. And then also I have a lot of people I can spread that around to. Right. And I feel like we've, I feel like we've done that. Like we've talked about living together and ultimately decided like if we're working together and we're like sharing this kind of like intellectual partnership that like it might be too much to like also to share like a domestic partnership yeah and Which like it's a totally different thing yeah. yeah and we didn't maybe frame it as like a relationship discussion but i totally thought of it that way i've been telling people that we had like our big commitment talk recently yeah <laughs> because that's how it felt to me like there's like the same level of like trust there's like a lot of intimacy we do spend a lot of time together and i did have a like um, what did you just call it that we had a talk, um, commitment talk with another <laughs> De friend of mine Define the relationship talk. <laughs> yeah. Where I was like, we need, I need to know like what you're going to give right now. And here's what I can give right now. And like, here's the so exact type of support I need, wow. which I described as like, I am a fire and fire needs air. And so like, I need to know that you're thinking about me and considering me even when like we're not talking a lot. So that was like a specific need I had for this specific person. And I, I think it's really good to define that kind of stuff. I love that. You, I just love that you did that. I think that's really and, cool. And they kind of, they're in like a committed relationship. It's not necessarily monogamous, but they kind of were talking about the reason that sometimes it's easiest for them to just be around their partner is because of like, 
a sort of assumption that they're going to be supported in this in this way that they f kind of only feel with that person. And while I was like, I'm not going to change that, like I'm sometimes critical in ways that I don't think that person is. Like I I can know what your need is. Is that like you what what do you need from me right now? Like you need someone who you know you can say anything to, and even if I disagree with it, like I'm. I'm like there to support. Yeah, I don't you know if this is all making sense. But you could be that person, but they, yeah, but they made a yeah, decision like to sort of like they have they have that one person who they who they feel like that's where you go with that, and I, yeah. I guess that brings up another thing is like since I've begun this process that it has been somewhat lo there. I've had these times of loneliness, which I've always had times of loneliness, so mm -hmm. it's not specific to like this part of my life, but of like okay, we live in a world where yeah, like pe a lot of people that are in a monogamous relationship feel most comfortable and so it's like to create a network of other friends like I feel like with you I can totally count on that like you're not just gonna disappear into a monogamous relationship Hell and like no. leave me behind but like I kind of like in I was very emotional when I had that discussion with this person but I kind of had to be like I need to I need you to be a certain way because like I don't want to feel like I'm gonna have to like move back in with my parents someday if I want to like get the kind of emotional support that like I need just like to to live or whatever which is kind of was kind of dramatic in that moment I don't always feel that way but like but I don't think I actually don't think it's that dramatic I think that's also what I've over the, even before this essay like I think I was already in this process of you know getting older and just realizing like if I if I don't see myself which I don't I don't really see like marriage in my future it just it's not really like a goal for my life but I was like but I does I still need support I still need a support network and so that's why I've started that's when I started thinking about, okay, well, like, for the next, I want to, like, find, like I said, domestic partners. Like, what are the people, who, who do I want to live with for the next five to ten years? Like, wh who do I want to, you know, and Taylor and Elise were really, inf were really inspiring to us in th for that reason. So yeah. I don't think that's crazy at all because, yeah, like, you, you, you to say, like, you don't want to get married or you don't want a couple shouldn't, doesn't mean, like, you should want to, like, be, like, you want to be alone. I think that's, that's, right. you know, yeah. So I really want to be that there for you. And I also, I also want to exist in a network of people who are like engaged in this kind of like work, work both like intellectually and emotionally, um, and who sort of like can can do what I think you and I have done, and what I feel like I've done with with a select other friends, which is like commit to each other. Hi, bitch face. I was laying on my couch listening to the end of this podcast about cuddling. I had a question, which is this. Do you think that there's a way in which there's, like, a certain kind of person who makes for, like, the right cuddle chemistry? Like, do you think cuddle chemistry is different than, like, sexual chemistry or, like, friendship chemistry? And, like, do you think there's, like, an infinite number of kinds of, like, chemistry that you can have with people? And, like, what if we just prioritize the idea of having, like, as many of those as possible instead of, like, thinking that one is more important than the other? Just some thoughts and ideas. What I want is just when I talk about like, I do want what she's describing. Like I do want it to sort of just be like, there's potential everywhere. Like every relationship, there's like a spectrum of ways one could relate. And there's different ways that intimacy manifests. And yeah, like cuddling and like physical stuff is just part of that. And mm -hmm. like not having that doesn't imply that you can't have, well, like what we're ultimately trying to say is just that like intimacy can be shared with like lots of different people, not just like your one romantic partner. Mm -hmm. Against the couple form could also just free you up to be more like emotionally intimate with people that maybe you would have held back from. Right. We're not cuddle supremacists. I'm curious if you kind of going back to like chemistry, though, mm -hmm. how you 
see like what how would you describe what that even is to you chemistry yeah that's such a good question especially like I know friend it, chemistry like, alludes to like i think of pheromones and like just like being into the feeling you get when you're near someone's body mm-hmm. right like yeah, but someone can make you really happy like like sort of i know that this is like totally pseudoscience and like sorry for real scientists out there but you know like <laughs> yeah if the feeling of being around someone like getting work done together and it like ma- brings you a lot of joy and happiness like isn't that a physical response isn't that like a type of chemistry it has to be i mean just yeah we just came from like brunch with a friend and like when i saw you two like i was like elated and i don't feel like the feelings that are coming up for me are not different than the feelings i have for someone i'm having sex with like i'm just yeah you're like smitten yeah smitten's a perfect word for it yes i'm like i adore them (laughs) yeah Yeah. so that's like a type that's like you and i and also with that other person we are a bunch with like do have varying levels of like physical intimacy also but like that to me is like a friendship chemistry yeah um, but I'm also thinking about someone that I've sort of I'm at the beginning of a friendship with a new friend of mine who we met because she comes into my workplace and I don't so sometimes I'm like anticipating like oh maybe she'll come in today and I'm excited about it and like I like look forward to seeing her and I like want to sit near her and it's like it feels very like youthful in a way that is super fun and I think that's definitely we just hit it off I mean you people just say we just hit it off like that's a, that's chemistry but I like don't yeah. I couldn't but I also feel like maybe it's like kind of in stages. Like I'm thinking of a friend who like when we first met, I was really drawn to them, wanted to like know them better. And it's then if you get to that stage where you're like really friends with someone, physical intimacy or affection is like really fun to go into next. And then like sometimes that's also means sexual chemistry. Yeah. It's like not to say that all friendships follow that trajectory or something, but sure, yeah. I do feel like some of those like levels of intimacy with with friends may be sort of along those chronological lines i just think i know that for myself like before this phase of my life like i definitely would i would resist that process and that's like kind of the thing that i was trying to like reject this year was like don't resist that progression just because like it you know because you start off platonically or because you remain platonic like just letting things kind of do what they do yeah whatever that means I just listened to your third episode of Against the Couple Form, and I wanted to tell you that you're not crazy. It feels like with this series, you're speaking right into my ear about things that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Partially because of you guys, I feel like I went from like, like a little BB feminist to an actual radical feminist. As um, a male who identifies as queer, um, this podcast is uh, really, really, really helpful for me and um, just offers a space that I feel like I don't get to enter um, very often, but I very much um, am seeking it. I just wanted to tell you guys as a black female that I really appreciate your podcast. We should rearrange a whole society to have friendships in the middle and have children with our friends and, and have lovers who are like the guests. Really, really, really love listening to only basically some people in my media, but I've really, really, really been looking for some super misandrist queer femme people to listen to all the time. Just so that you all don't think that, like, we just thrive off of everyone flattering us. I mean, I I do. I I do too, but I also, I appreciate good criticism, but that doesn't include 
male feminists calling in to talk about why they should continue making art, but like super down for thoughtful critiques um, and all that kind of stuff. So I did want to play this one voicemail from Ingrid. And I just wanted to remark that like, I feel like you get so many things right on, but there's this kind of big lack of inclusive language, uh, as far as like trans or non-binary folk. Um, and like maybe it's just like a cis women's sort of podcast, but I feel like you all talk about intersectionalism a little and it might be a good moment to just like kind of pay attention to your language or look up like how to not, um, make your show as exclusive uh, to like cis women. Um, Anyways, rock on. I love the show. I'm still going to listen. This was like the first, the first kind of feedback we've received ever, like voicemail or not, or in, in otherwise. That was, that did feel constructive. Like it really has up to this point just been like dudes calling in like, I don't know, whatever. But this like for sure gave me pause. I really, we thought about it for like, we talked about it a lot and we thought about it for a while, just like kind of going back in my mind, like reviewing what we talk about things we talk about it was a great moment for us to like think about our language more yeah now that we have more than 13 people listening to us yeah Yeah. and i and i do feel like part of it i think is about specific language and that is something that like we have a there's some resources online that we've used like the radical Radical copy copy editor editor. yeah i love it a common defense that i have used is say like well when i say women i mean like cis and trans women but Really, it's sort of like, do I always mean that? And like, if I don't mean that, I should specify. If I mean cis women, I should specify. That's what I mean. If I mean trans women, mm-hmm. I should specify. And if I mean both, it's like, we should just specify. You know, and I think that's, yeah. this feels like I'm getting to weird territory. But I mean, like, I try to think of my trans friends the way that I would hope that my white friends think about me, which is that like, yes, like you and I, like we have many, many things in common. We have way more things in common than we don't. But like, it would really bother me if you cease to consider the fact that like, I am a person of color. You know what I mean? So I, I try to have that consideration when I'm talking to my trans friends. I just feel like in the podcast, I'm not sure when that does or doesn't come up or how often it does or doesn't come up, but like clearly someone heard, heard it and like thought that it wasn't a consideration. So we do want, like, I'm super down to include more content by not cis women. Um, For sure. Yeah. Like sort of, I mean, we have some things coming up where people that are not us like wrote content that we're producing. So. And I would say, like, half half the episodes are that. Half the episodes are, are things we're interested in that other people are doing, which is all kinds of women and femmes, and half of it, it's, like, super about us. And so those stories might be cis-centric, because that's who we are. But, yeah, we, like, definitely would, I would love to have queer radio makers please be in touch. This is a, a response to something that we talked about in the female gayest episode, which we were like amplifying a point that Jill Soloway brought up in a talk about men stopping creating art. This has ruffled a lot of the feathers of men that we know and men that we don't know, like this motherfucker. <laughs> and, um, I just think that like what we're going through right now, the Harvey Weinstein, Louis C.K. like daily uh, barrage of. Right. It's like the barrage of things we already knew, actually. Right. They're not surprising, but yeah. it's related to this point to me. They've they've had several centuries to prove themselves worthy of this positions of power, and then clearly they're not. So they're not. So I do think that like 
this caller did call before all this shit, you know, happened. And this person left us like four separate voicemails. Four like, voicemails. Took the time to call back multiple times to make sure that we understood the full <laughs> range of his thoughts. Obviously, we're gonna what? like spare you from having to li- like t- actually listen to what this guy is saying. <laughs> But I just think it's, you know, a pretty good opportunity for us to just berate the shit out of this guy. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Navillus Reed. First of all, like, this guy's <laughs> voice just, like, fucking bothers me. I, I, I felt full of rage in the first two and a half seconds. Like, I'm already mad. Yeah, already. <laughs> Why are you calling? <laughs> Trying to read Bitchface. It's Bitchface. Get the name right. I am an author and a podcaster. Oh, I, I, God. You know, I hate male authors and podcasters. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> you asked what I thought would happen. You definitely weren't asking you. <laughs> I love the throat clearing also. It's just like classic, classic mansplaining. <laughs> oh my God. If um, men stopped creating things for a hundred years or so, um, and you weren't quite clear about exactly the scenario, so I'm going to give you two responses. So I'm going to give you two responses. Oh, not one. He has two responses. The first response is, is what if a general call went out and was generally heard and understood by a large number of creative people? This uh, significant is so proportion boring. of the that, creative people like, in the planet. I'm going to use and it when I've been that call was, hey man, lay off for a while. Feminism needs male allies. No, we don't. Not we the don't least of which allies. is because the patriarchy hurts allies. men too. But also because women do not need male allies. Are we fucking doing the patriarchy this? Like, doesn't get listen we don't to women. Need you. It's, we're it, it listens to men. And if more men are giving out an authentic feminist message, then there's more room to make inroads. But clearly, way before anyone started doing that or even had that thought, people have been capable for like thousands of years of like advocating for themselves and working like we didn't get to this point because men right. helped us it's out you know not our job <laughs> to make it appealing for men to do this fucking work definitely like, not go off and do it themselves i have so little faith in men organizing to like to shut down patriarchy oh, same that episode the female gaze by far like the most men responded to and it was a lot of like people i think men who i think think of themselves as feminists and even men who i think of as progressive but who, yeah, like, we're ultimately, like, it was just really clear. I'm like, you're not, you're not at all serious about giving up any of your power. And why don't you just admit that? It's fine. We already know it. So you might as well just admit it. Like, you're not interested. Right. It's fine. Instead we of know you're trash. like, fucking gymnastics. I know. To, like, talk about why we're wrong. Right. Ugh. You went to great lengths to prove us wrong, and you still failed. <laughs> you failed. Uh, you failed in the first five seconds. You failed five, the first seven, five one, three, three, zero, six, Not the five, least one, of which two, is because failed. the patriarchy hurts men, too. But also because sexist men the patriarchy doesn't listen to women. No oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> no, the patriarchy calls and leaves us four voicemails <laughs> for a total of 12 minutes in response. It, it listens to men. And if more men are giving out an authentic feminist message... Men love to say this because they, like, they need to think that they're important. Then there's more room to make inroads. Oh, inroads. Like... 
Inroad. <laughs> you went in, in on Inroad. <laughs> That's a very it's a liberal construct as well, though. Yeah. Like, the other question is, what happens if you wave a magic wand and suddenly men are forbidden from creating things? <clears throat> I think at that point, um, gender. Uh, 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 gender transition would become much more attractive. Uh, yeah, you're, you're done. Canceled. This voice is canceled. Thanks for calling. Bye. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you very much.
Uh, here's what I think would happen. I think the feminist men 